0: Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. A little bit of poison that if it creeps into your houses, it will render you neutered and it will keep Jesus out of your house, out of your presence. And if Jesus is on the outside, your healing is on the outside. Your deliverance is on the outside. Your power is on the outside. Your patience is on the outside. Your strength is on the outside. If he's on the outside, if he's held back by a door, then all that you need is not within your reach. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we thank you so much for being a part of our online community. And when you're in the area, make sure you stop by. We love to have you here in a live service. There's something about the assembly when God's people assemble together. So if you can, come on by and be here with us if you're in the area. If not, then continue to enjoy uh, the media. We pray that it is a rich blessing to you. Amen? All right. All right, well, today we're going to go into a part number two uh, of the message that we started on last week, and last week we talked from the subject of all in, are you all in, which is so very important. We know that we are living in the last of the last days. If you know anything about Bible prophecy and what's happening in Israel today, all of these are signs that Jesus is soon to come for his church. All of these are signs of it. And as I was seeking the Lord for you and and asking Him about you and talking to Him about you, He brings me to Revelation, the third chapter, Revelation, third chapter. And this is the word of the Lord that I believe with all of my heart that I am to tell you today, that I am to give you today. Now, as a general rule, I do not preach calendar. So whatever event is on the calendar... If you're expecting a Christmas message at Christmas, you may be disappointed. If you're expecting a Thanksgiving message at Thanksgiving, you may be disappointed. I pray with all of my heart that I hear his voice and say what he says. So if he says Christmas message, you'll get a Christmas message. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you need to be aware of that. You come to church on a Christmas day, you need a Christmas message. Make your plans to go somewhere else get one if you got to have one of those. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how I roll. (laughs) Praise God. I don't preach season. I don't preach events. I don't preach news. I stay in the presence of the Lord. Now humble myself before him. Many times throwing myself down upon the altar. God, give me a word for your people. What do you want me to say? Now, if that lines up with the news, if that lines up with the season, if that lines up with the calendar, then fine. But I realize that I will have to give an account, Martha, of what I speak. And so I want to make sure that every time I open this Bible, every time I, I declare the Word, I want to make sure and very sure that this is what you're saying for me to tell your people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Revelation, the third chapter. Revelation, the third chapter. We're going to look at verses number 14 through 22. 14 through 22. And we'll speak from the subject of today, who's at the door? Who's at the door? Revelation, the third chapter, we're going to talk about the Laodicean church, which is the last church. That the Lord spoke, sent letters to in the book of Revelation. Up until this point, and we'll read this, uh, verses 14 through 22. Up until this point, the pattern of the Lord has been to encourage the church. He says, I know your works. And he tells them, hey, you've been doing a a good job on something. But then he always says, well, he's been saying up to this point, I have something against you, though. Something we got to correct. You've been doing good good over there, but there's something here that we got to fix. The Laodicean church, which is the last church here uh, that he sends letters to, which is a picture of the end time church, because it is, we are the last church. The Laodicean church, the Lord, you'll find out that he has no praises for the Laodicean church. He only has correction. Now, if you look at all the other letters, you'll find that in many of those, they dealt with uh, a lot of fornication. Uh, Jezebel was a part of it, and and a whole lot of other things that were in all the other letters. But Jesus did not give them such a stern rebuke as he gives the Laodicean church. And there's a reason why, and we're going to focus on that. This may take this week and another week and another week and another week, but eventually we'll get through it, and we're going to get a very good understanding. Amen? Amen. And all you're getting, get understanding. understanding. So I I want you to come with me. There are a lot of, you may have heard a lot of messages on the Laodicean church. This will probably be not like any of those because I'm not like any of the others. That's right. Hallelujah. So I need you to listen with both ears to hear what the Lord says. So I'm going to go ahead and read. We're going to go ahead and read first, uh, Revelation 3rd chapter verses 14 through 22. I want you to really listen to it, and uh, we'll go back and talk about it. It says here in verse number 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. Now we know the angel there talks about the messenger of the church or the pastor of the church, the one whom God has designated to speak a word to his people, to his church, the primary messenger. Amen. All right. It says unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things Saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So because, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salves, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Verse 21 To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, or that is also interpreted on my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in or on his throne. Verse 22 He that hath an ear, Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, as we're about to get into this, I want you to know that at the very end of the letter, Jesus gives us his position. He's actually standing on the outside of the church, and he's talking to the church through the door. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever been to someone's house in... And they wouldn't open a door to you, so you had a conversation through the door. Or maybe they were in the bathroom. You spoke to them through the door. They didn't want to let you in at that moment. So Jesus is on the outside of the church. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about each individual person. The church is made of individuals. The, the word church is ecclesia, which means uh, what? The, the called out body, right? The gathering, the fellowship. So Jesus is standing at the door of their hearts, and he's having a conversation with those that are on the inside. Now, typically, you've heard this verse being used many times. Verse, verse number 20, the of the Lord says, I stand at the door and knock, if anybody will open up, and I'll come in with you. We've heard this a lot of times in evangel uh, type conversations where people are evangelizing, telling those that are lost, hey, Jesus is standing at your door and he wants to come in, open your heart and let Jesus in. Yeah. I think that could be one way of translating that. But the true translation of this verse is that Jesus is talking to his own people, those that are in relationship with him. Remember, this is a letter to the church, those who've, who said they've, they've uh, made a commitment to Christ who are his children. So he's standing at the door of his own people. And his own people have the door shut. Jesus is on the outside, and now he's speaking this letter to them, giving this message on the other side of the door. He's talking through the door to his people. He's no longer in the room. He's on the outside of the room. Are you hearing now, let me give you some background of the Laodiceans or Laodicea. Laodicea was a very affluent town, very affluent city. They were very wealthy. They had many markets and of gold, and, they had, and their textile um, services were world-renowned. So there were a lot of markets, that you would, if you would call them a, the Buckhead or the Fifth Avenues, you would call them a very wealthy community. If they were in today's uh, time, you, you would expect there to be a lot of expensive shops. You would expect to see uh, Mercedes and Bentleys and Ferraris. You'd expect all this in the town. There was a very rich community. This was also a banking, a banking city. So they were very wealthy, very wealthy. But at the same time, uh, Laodicean was not known for its water. Most Bible historians would say, would tell you that their water had a lot of minerals in it. And it was, uh, it was drinkable, but it was very poor tasting. And what would happen is they would, they would actually, they had aqueducts, aqueducts uh, that were made of stone. And they brought water in from up the road. And about time the water got to them, it became tepid. It became lukewarm. Ahead of them, to the south, there were two cities that surrounded, or two neighboring cities. One of the cities that uh, was to the south was Colossi, and Colossae was known for its cold water. Colossi uh, had mountains, mountainous uh, regions around it, and the snow at the top of the mountains, would, uh, when it would melt, it would come down the mountain, and there would be some nice, cold water there at Colossae. And on the other side, the other neighboring uh, neighboring city was Heropolis. Heropolis was known for its warm springs, its hot springs. Many called it uh, medicinal hot springs. So when you wanted to get healing or something, you would go to their hot springs. It wasn't really for drinking, but the water was warm. And so you see Laodicea was right there in the middle of the two. There was hot springs uh, to the north and cold to the south. And Laodicea was right there in the middle. It had water being piped in or from its aqueduct aqueduct system that started off warm in, in, in another area. But when it got there, it wasn't good for anything. Still, most historians will also say, well, there's another point of view for this. Many say that one of the sins of Laodicea was the sin of hospitality, hospitality, in that in this time period, many preferred their wine either two ways. They preferred to serve their guests wine as in hot, hot wine, or serve them chilled wine from some of the snow of the mountains because, you know, they didn't have air conditioning or refrigerators back then. So it's either you serve your guests something cold or something hot. When a guest would come in and if you gave them something, something tepid, something lukewarm, immediately they became offended. You have disregarded them. You have treated them less than nothing. Nothing. You have disrespected them. They were either expecting something cold, a cold drink, or a hot drink. But serving them something tepid, something lukewarm, was disrespectful. Much like the way they kept Jesus on the outside of the house, talking to him through the door. In any way you look at it, lukewarm was bad. And so the Bible goes on to say, and we'll, we'll talk because there's so much more to talk about that. But first of all, I want, you, I want you to see, we're going to go right back up to verse number 14. At the very beginning, we're going to work our way down. Understand, I want you to understand the climate in which they were under. They were very wealthy, had a lot of money, had a lot of things. But Jesus looked at them in terms of or gave them an example of their spiritual condition in terms of the water that they had. This is how you're treating me. You say you don't need me. You got plenty of stuff. I get everything I need. And Jesus said, don't you know your, your condition is you are miserable. You are blind. You are naked. You are poor they rested their confidence in wealth they rested their confidence in stuff and they put the king of glory out are you hearing me but before we get into all that because there's so much more i'm telling you there's so much more to this route there's so much more to this because we have to understand this because this is the condition of the end time church And this is like a small fox that will spoil the vine. This is like a a little bit of poison that, that if it creeps into your houses, it will render you neutered and it will keep Jesus out of your house, out of your presence. And if Jesus is on the outside, your healing is on the outside. Your deliverance is on the outside. Your power is on the outside. Your patience is on the outside. Your strength is on the outside. If he's on the outside, If he's held back by a door, then all that you need is not within your reach. You you have me? Yes, sir. First of all, I want you to know who's at the door. Look at verse number 14 again. And it says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen or the amen, which means he is the final say-so. You say your prayers and you say amen or amen at the end he's saying, I'm it. There's no one past me. I'm it. He said, I am the amen. I want want to show you some things. He says he's also the faithful and true witness. This is a courtroom term. So think of the legal, uh, think of the legal profession. He said he is the faithful and true witness, which means when he gets to the stand and gives his testimony, it's always true. His words are always correct. His words are always accurate. You can always depend on what he says. He's a faithful and true witness. And then he says, King James, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, we're going to spend a little time right here. He's the beginning of the creation of God. Now, just on surface, those that are novice in the word would think, oh, well, God created Jesus. He's the beginning of the creation of God. Well, there you have it. God created Jesus. Let me tell you now that that is a strong misinterpretation. Let me help you out there. Can I help you out with that? Because the word beginning here, if you look this up in the Greek, the word beginning means origin. The word beginning means source of all things. The word beginning means the active cause. The Bible says that Jesus, it says in King James, the beginning of the creation of God, it means that he is the origin of the creation of God. He is the active cause of the creation of God. He is the source of all the creation of God. In fact, everything began in him. Are you hearing? And we're going to talk about that because Jesus is the one that's at the door, wants you to know very plainly who's at the door. Very plainly. He wants it to be no issue, no confusion. Jesus is God. Let me show you this. We're going to go a little bit further. Let's run a little reference here. John 1, 1. John 1, 1. It says this out Amplified Bible. In the beginning, Before all time was the Word, Christ, and the Word was what? With God, and the Word was God himself. I want to show you another picture here. Let's go to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. I want to show you this about Jesus. He wants you to know who is in fact at the door. You have to see Christ. You need to see Christ. I pray you see Christ more than just a baby in a manger at Christmas time. Let me show you something that the Lord showed me. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 16 says this. Colossians 1, verse 16 out of the King James. It says, for by him, that is by Jesus, for by him were all things what? Created. Isn't that the same thing we just read a moment ago in Revelation third chapter? For by him are all things created that are in heaven, that's everything in heaven, all things in heaven, and that are in earth, that's all things in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all, say all, All. come on, say all, all things, help me read this. All things were created by him and for him. Again, Revelation, the third chapter, says that he is the beginning of all things. He is the source, or he is the cause. He is the origin. Look at verse number 17. It says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The word consists there means to be held together. Held together. Let me finish reading this. We're going to talk a little bit about this. Verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church. If you are a member of the church, he is your head. If you are a member of the church, you are his body. Now, the head and the body are one. If the head has power, the body does too. The body receives its power or its authority from the head. We talked about that on last Wednesday night. The true meaning, really, one of the true meanings of the word authority. Authority is always, proper authority is always derived from the author From the one who began it, it, from the one who originated it, from from the source. The source is the author. Listen to the word. Author. When the author gives you control, when the author gives you power, he gives you authority. You are authorized. But only the author can give you such power and control. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. When you go toe to toe with the devil, you never, ever have to be shaken in your boots. Knowing who the head is. Listen to this again in in verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Once again, the Bible says it. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell verse 20 and having made peace through the blood of his cross by uh, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him i say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven now let's do some let's 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 do a few things here in the beginning The Bible says in Genesis, and even even, uh, in John, beginning was God. In the beginning, God spoke. Now, I want you to do some reasoning with me. Jesus created all things in heaven, all things in earth. He created all things in the visible realm. That's what we live in right now, the visible realm. And the invisible realm. In other words, he created the things in the natural, and he also created things in the spirit. There is a place now for him to create this, that meant that he had to exist in a space that was not natural and that was not spirit. He exists in a space that was not heavenly and that was not earthly. When God spoke in the beginning, in the the beginning beginning was was God. God. There was was God the Father, Father, God the Son, God the 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 Spirit. All standing, as as I saw in prayer, all standing, standing as as if you will, behind a curtain. A curtain that was was not not spirit, Spirit, that that was was not natural, natural, that was not fleshly, that was not not invisible, that was was not visible, that was not of heaven, that was not of earth. A realm that only God occupies. God said, let there be, and Christ stepped forth from the curtain because the word knows what's in the father's heart out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and so whatever was in the father's heart jesus began to manifest and began to create that's why the bible says that jesus and we'll look at this in the book of hebrews that jesus is the express image of the invisible god you cannot understand god without christ let's look at this let's look at hebrews hebrews chapter one we're gonna look at this out of the amplified bible hebrews one verse number three hebrews one three i want you to see how the amplified bible reads this now keep this in your picture keep that in your mind you can't create something if you're in something how can you say you create the Spirit? if spirit is already existing how can you say you create heaven if heaven is already existing there was a time that heaven did not exist that heaven the earth did not exist that the visible realm did not exist that the invisible realm did not not, nothing existed there was a holy nothingness and when God spoke Christ stepped out and then began to manifest because he knows the father's heart you got me the Father's too big, too big for us to comprehend, so he sends a visible image for you and I to understand it. Let's look at the Hebrews 1, verse 3. Now, this is kind of lengthy out of Amplified Bible, and it says, the sun is the radiant and only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. Again, Jesus is the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. When you see Jesus, you don't see a copy. You see the, how God is exactly so when Jesus stepped out, when he stepped out from the Father, was released, and then began to make stars, began to make the invisible realm. This is how heaven's going to be. This is how angels is going to be. This is how man is going to be. Now, of course, see, he gave them all free will. So the devil, Lucifer, decided to do what he did and all that other stuff. Man decided to do what he does and all that stuff. But still, yet, in a, yet still, the Lord created it all. Jesus created it all. He did this to please the Father. And you find this also that after all things are done, after all enemies have been been placed at his feet, under his feet, then then Jesus actually turns it all back over to the Father. After all enemies are beneath his feet. You need to know who is in fact at the door. And let's go on. It says again that Jesus is the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. And upholding and maintaining Jesus, upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word, carrying the universe along um, to its predetermined goal. So not only does Jesus hold everything together, every molecule, you're held together right now because of Christ. Every atom is held together by God's word because of Christ. Everything is held together by him. Then he goes on to say, when he himself and no other had by offering himself on the cross as a sacrifice for sin accomplish purification from sin and establish our freedom from guilt, he sat down, revealing his completed work at the right hand of the the majesty on high, revealing his divine authority. Jesus personally made sure that you had no guilt. He personally made sure that when the Father looks at you on the other side of that curtain, when the father's eyes look back to you, he sees nothing missing and nothing broken. He personally made sure that the one who made it, remember the father spoke and Jesus stepped out. The word stepped out and the word began to create the word began to form things. Everything the Lord Jesus created was what was in the father's heart and the spirit of God hovered above it, moved upon it. Uh, and animated everything that the word was everything the word spoke Are you with me today? Yes. So he's the exact image of God So who's at the door the author of everything The I am himself The off the alpha the omega the author is at the door himself and if he is at the door that means that he's on this side of the door. Then that means also means the devil's on the other side with you. We have shut him out. The last church is the one who shuts Jesus out. Now let me show you a few other things here. And let me show you why they shut him out. So notice here that we go back now in Revelation 3rd chapter. I pray I haven't lost you. I didn't hear anybody say anything. Amen, amen I lost you or amen, you're still here. <laughs> all right i told you becoming a different viewpoint and so again uh revelation third chapter verse 14 rather verse 15 the lord says i know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot i would that thou wert cold or hot now also historically when you hear this message in churches, you're thinking, I got to be on fire for Jesus. I got to be fired up. We can't be cold and apathetic and just listless. We got to be hot. We got to be on fire. We got to start revival. Well, I can go with that too, but that's not the true interpretation of this verse. Cold referring to the different types of liquid. He's saying, you are like something that I can't use. You have lost your worth and your value. Because you're neither cold nor hot. I can't serve you. Remember, if we're going by the uh, theologians, determination of the cause of this, the cause of this lukewarmness being served to Christ. This is, again, a liquid that you'd serve to family, serve to friends, serve to a guest. But because this is lukewarm, it cannot be used. It cannot be used to serve others. It's very disrespectful. He said, I can't use you. You're lukewarm. I would that you were the cold, refreshing, or hot. But because you are like you are, I can't use you. And why are they like they are? Let's look at verse 16. It says, So then, because, yeah, he said, so then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, understand, out of mouth talks about when it's out of mouth, it means that it's out of heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if it's out of mouth, out of heart is out of mind. So when Jesus is saying, I will spew you out of my mouth, he's saying, I'm no longer going to talk about you. I will no longer witness before you, before my Father you will no longer be in my heart and you will no longer be in my thoughts. That is bad. That is bad. You don't ever want to hear the Lord say to you, I don't don't want to look at you. That is bad. He He said, because you neither, I will spew you out of my mouth. Actually, just like they did. They spewed Jesus out of their lives. And this is why. He says in verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich with goods and have need of nothing. That's their confession. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. This is why they cast Jesus out on the other side of the door. This is why they were lukewarm, because they were increased with goods and had need of nothing. They failed this trap. They fell in uh, the trap of the security of riches, the false security of riches and stuff. Riches and stuff. Well, that's not me, Pastor. I have, I'm telling you, I don't have no money, so I know the Lord's not talking to me, so I missed that one. You're missing it all together. Because the path of riches and stuff can block the door where Jesus block the door where Jesus is. They can hold him out. You say it's not just having money, but it's the pursuit of money. That can cast Jesus out. It's the pursuit of stuff. Lord I, would, I don't have time for you today. I got to go. You know I got to make money. It's the pursuit of things. That can cast him out. Not just having it in your bank account. It is what you reverence or honor. Higher than him. Jesus said in Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6.24 he says. No man can serve. Two masters. For either you will. Hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. Help me read. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't. And when the Lord spoke about the parable of the seed and the sower, look at one of these in verse number 18, Mark 4, 18. And there's so much more, so I'm not going to get it to you all today as I want to do. Matthew 4 uh, verse 18 says, as the Lord's talking about one, the path of the seed, as it fell among thorns, verse 18 it says, Matthew, Mark 4, rather, Mark 4, 18, it says, and others are the ones on whom seed uh, was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries and cares of the world, the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures and the deceitfulness deceitfulness and the false security of or false security or glamour of wealth or fame and the passionate desires for all the other things creep in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful that is they have no relationship False security. False security. I'm going to read just one more to you. There's so much more. Let me read this to you out of the Message Bible, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8:11. Because this is not the first time this has happened among God's people. This is why I believe that the Lord is very slow to empower you with wealth if your heart has not been tested. Deuteronomy 8. Let me read this to you out of the message Bible. Deuteronomy 8 verse 11 goes on and it says, make sure that you don't forget God, your God, by not keeping his commandments, his rules and regulations that I command you today. Make sure that when you eat and are satisfied, build pleasant houses and settle in. See your herds and flocks flourish And more and more money come in. Watch your standard of living going up and up. Make sure you don't become so full of yourself and your things that you forget God, your God. So the sin of Laodicea, the reason why they cast Jesus out, because their life was now full of stuff. It's not just having the stuff, it's the pursuit of stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff, but when you pursue stuff over Christ, we got a problem. When your pursuit of stuff and your pursuit of riches overwhelms you, and it in effect casts Jesus out of your life. He's not gonna take that lightly. Now, the Lord's a gentleman. They, they, he's at the door, but Jesus also made the door and he made the house too. At any moment, he can cast down the door, break the door apart because it's held together by his word. But he won't do that. So he says, if you open the door, I'll come in with you. If you open and see that money, see that riches or possessions are false securities. When the young rich ruler came to Jesus, And he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him. He didn't like what Jesus said, so he walked away sorrowful because he had much riches, much wealth. And the Lord turned to the disciples and told them something that they thought was so strange. They were astonished. He said, how hardly will it be for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And they were astonished. Then he told them, little children, how how hard will it be for those who trust in Riches into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you now, God wants you to have the wealth. If you hear nothing else, God wants you to have the wealth. He wants you to have it. Because when you have money, the world understands money. I guarantee you, if you pull up in a place driving a $500,000 car, a million dollar car, every eye will be watching you. If you drive on the other side of that street, same street around the same people in a 1979 get out push with Maypop tires, (laughs) I guarantee you they'll see you, but they'll turn from you. The world understands wealth and they are attracted to wealth. They are attracted to people with money. And here's the thing. When you have it, When you speak, they will listen to you. This is one reason why God wants you to have wealth in the end times. So that when you speak, they will listen. It's not all about you being in some big mansion. But the purpose of the mansion is so you'll have their attention. So they will listen to you. The purpose of you having this nice car, these nice clothes. is so they will listen to you. Because the world honors wealth, they have an ear. Ooh, how'd you get that? Let me tell you. Jesus. How'd you get that promotion? Let me tell you. Jesus. How'd you become so broke and homeless? Keep your mouth closed. I don't even know how to do that. I know how to do that. How do you have bad credit? How you, how's your credit so bad you can't even pay attention? How's that? How do you do it? Nobody's asking that. But when the world sees success and you own it, they want to ask, how? So God wants you to prosper. And the whole thing about the Laodicean church, he put them in the area where they would prosper. But when they got in the area, they were so full of themselves. They forgot him. I don't need you. I'm good like I am. But you missed the whole meaning of it. Let me tell you this as we close. God wants you wealthy. I can say that unequivoc unequivocally. He wants you wealthy. Now wealth may look differently in other parts of the country. Maybe on the street in the third world nation. There are people living outside, but you have your own hut. They're all looking at you. How'd you get your hut? Amen. It may look differently all, of, all around the world, in every group, in, in every place. It may look different than here in the United States. But God wants you wealthy. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to overflow. Yes, yes. But when it comes, will you set Jesus out? So the wealth is coming. Yeah. As a great turn of wealth, it is coming. Hallelujah. It's coming. Yeah. Question is, will you put Jesus out? Will you rule it or will it rule you? Now that you've heard the word, what will you do about it? What can you do about it? Let's get before the Lord. And there's so much more we'll have to get back to this later. Are you, is your life ruled with stuff? Are you more concerned about money and how to get it? You more concerned about stuff and how to get it or money and how not to lose it? Are you con- so consumed not only with money and possessions but so consumed with success? So consumed with it. You should no longer hear from Jesus. You say, I'm good. I don't need anything because I know what I want. I'm already full of something else. Let Jesus in. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for uh, this word that you've given us. Father, I pray that your word has fallen upon good fertile ground. And Lord, I pray that you continue to prepare your people to handle the wealth, to handle more than enough, to not be full of themselves, as as the message Bible says, not be full of themselves, but to know the reason and the purpose for the wealth. To garner the attention of those that are in the world. Father, I thank you that the wealth is not only riches and money and things, but it it is your presence upon us that draws attention. It is the wealth of your glory that draws attention. You want us to be so full. You want us to be a spectacle that the world comes to see something that is unbelievable. Something that is well above the norm well above the average In intelligence and in art and in design and in career and in carpentry and in cooking in every area and in policing Every single area of our lives you want us to be the golden standard that raises high above the others That they can look and see and ask How did you do this? Father I pray that when we get to that moment as we get there That we will not be caught up or consumed in thinking it all came because we were so good. I pray, Lord, that we'll use that opportunity to share the gospel with the world. We Thank you, Lord, and I thank you for everyone that's listening here. Everyone that's watching now, listening online. In Jesus' name, we give this to you. We pray, amen. Love you, my friends. See you next time.